complete character change. You know, I'd always been super upbeat in my life and this is the first time she'd seen me like super, you know, broken, I guess. So we're living out of hotels, man, because I couldn't live at my house. I couldn't sleep. I just needed any sort of excitement, any sort of fresh wall would be enough to keep me cool for a couple of minutes to settle the, the anxiety that I was having. I couldn't sit and eat any meals. Everything, dude, I couldn't switch it off. I'd be in my own bedroom, panicked. And it was like this, it was like this adrenal fatigue where I'd just been switched on hot for so long that I didn't know how to uncool it. It's like, imagine like you're playing this a massive stage as like 80,000 people and the adrenaline, that adrenaline's fantastic there where you're in that moment, but it sucks when you're trying to go to sleep, right? But I just felt that heat. It's like I couldn't switch off this adrenaline and I was buzzing. I couldn't sit down to eat my meals, dude. I had to pace up, up and down the house just to get food into me. That's music producer and artist developer, Rob Amoruso. And you're listening to The Beginning of Us. Feel like something is rapidly transfiguring in my core being an awakening of sorts. The Beginning of Us. A raw conversation hosted by your main fucker, Billy Otto. Pulling apart what it means to rebirth, to rewild, to be curious, and to rechild. It's that time of the week again! Episode number nine! Can you feel it? Let it into your heart! Hey, Potty World. It's been a very, very special week for me. Um, just released a new song with my Byron bestie, Kyle Leinhart. Don't know if you heard it, but it's called Beautiful Life. In the midst of all this global mess and personal chaos because of COVID, I still see my friends light up one another. And that's the lyric of the song. I see my friends light up one another. Isn't it a beautiful life? When the rain falls down, you call on your brothers. I literally just came out of um, ending it with my former fiance. And Chrissy and I had been through so much. She's an awesome human. But there was just things that weren't working. And um, felt really clear after doing some whim off. Um, but, um, it was done and we went our separate ways, but knowing that I was going back into the studio to finish this song with the boys, I don't know if it was like a synchro thing with the universe, but we finished it that day and I hugged and cried with my, some of my best friends, Paul and Kyle. And, um, the song pens those words. I see my friends light up one another. Isn't it a beautiful life? When the rain falls down, you call on your brothers. Isn't it a beautiful life? Guys, get it. Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube, it's everywhere. And in other news, I just signed uh, a record deal. My first record deal in 17 years with a French company called Believe. They're working with guys like Novo Amor, James Vincent McMorrow, um, Parcels, Woods, Cubsport. This is amazing for me. Like, I'm, I'm so stoked. I'm, I'm shocked that I get to have a team around me well shocked isn't really the word like I've been intentional about manifesting a team this year like it, I've been tired of just wearing so many hats when it comes to being a producer uh, being an artist running my life all the admin stuff with running a business and it's just incredible to have people that are being brought, in, brought into my life drawn into my life that are starting to, to help me focus on my art and, and it means so much and so I'm thankful for France and I'm thankful for all my people around the world that have just believed in me over the last five years building this Billy project. I'm so grateful. And yeah, thankfulness, gratitude, gratefulness, 
It's all here, right, in this little Malaysian heart. I want to give a shout-out to all the dads out there. Yeah, shout-out to all the incredible fathers that are intentional about their connection with their kids. And I also want to give a shout-out to anyone uh, in the world, or especially in Australia, because it was Father's Day in Australia, anyone who's had a difficult week or weekend because it was Father's Day, and if, like me, you went on Instagram and saw all your mates frothing out with their awesome dads. Yeah, I don't have that connection with my dad. So if you suffered a little bit on Sunday, I suffered with you. It was a bit weird for me too. Um, Sending love to my dad. We don't have that connection, but I'm very thankful for all the male elders that have come into my life and offered me support and guidance and surrogacy in, um, in these times. And um, if you're in a situation like me where the dad question is a little bit tricky, bit bit complex, bit bit sensitive, yeah, I still am observing that resistance within myself and desiring to love on my dad even from afar. I sent my dad a text and um, yeah, let's love on our fam that are journeying through some things. A couple of comments about the chat with Bobby Alu from last week. If you haven't already heard it, it's uh, it's a special listen. It's very endearing. Beatrice from Victoria says, a wonderful conversation. We really enjoyed listening. Thank you. Thanks, Beatrice. Be by the sea says, what, Bobby as well? Jeez, I've been seriously reveling in his tunes these past few years. Side note, this podcast is amazing, Billy. Such a bunch of legends. Thank you, ladies. Really appreciate the feedback. It's such a joy to read these comments and to hear about how you've been journeying with these insightful conversations. I'm so excited to introduce Rob Amoruso of the great Melbourne band Jacoby. He's a Melbourne-based music producer, artist developer. Um, he's been traveling all over the world, playing with some of the greatest names. And you know, we talk about Justin Timberlake, we talk about mental health, we talk about married life and spirit and you're just going to love this um links to his studio space and to his many projects are in the show notes please listen to jacoby talk about them uh rob's a beautiful man and i think we're going to become brothers because of this chat so heaps of love rob thank you again see you guys the beginning of us i'm going to welcome a special man he's got great hair great smile he's a melbourne producer extraordinaire He's a number one dad. He loves good shoes, loves his wife. This man has worked with Kelly Rowland and Macy Gray. He's worked with Hannah Joy from Middle Kids to the Rubens. But more than this, Rob is deeply spiritual, a humble cat, and he just carries such a great taste in life in general. And uh, welcome to the show, bro. Like, it's such an honor to have you. Thank you, man. And what an introduction. That's got to be one of the most outstanding intros I've ever had. Thank you very much. Dude, I'm really into it. I'm like, man, like, why can't we just like say great things to awesome totally. people in the present, like not in like a post-production thing. Like, yeah, like yeah. I like thinking about yeah. it. And um, it was my first time talking to you like 20 minutes ago, but sometimes you just sense good energy and having worked with you on um, on the Kyle project as well, man. Like from everything that Kyle told me and even the way that you write emails, it's just a lot of froth. There's a lot of um, joy, deep joy yeah. in your essence, man. That's awesome, man. Well, dude, I think like I feel the same, man. Like it took me, I feel like it took me 
most of my life to get to a point where I was cool, like, I don't know, I guess like vulnerable enough to be able to love on people. You know what I mean? Like I've never been like a, a, a mean dude, but I definitely feel like there was a, a patch where it's like this hardening that happens and it's like, you're almost like too cool to love on people, you know? <laughs> dude, it's 40 seconds and we've already, already gone there. Like this is like why, real why not, dude? Why not? male vulnerability. Like the license to love. Mm. Like, and to love well and to like mean what you say, say what you mean and genuinely mm. care and be kind. Like, it's it's crazy that that isn't normalized mm. and we're not conditioned to think like that as men. Yeah, totally, man. It's weird. It's like, it's, pr- it's pretty counterintuitive, I reckon. It's this whole thing of like, maybe we're just, yeah, maybe we are just conditioned that way, but it's almost like we feel like, we need to be looking out for ourselves, and whether this instinctive like protector we're like got to be the strong ones in every situation and it's funny because it's like while we're busy being so strong and like holding on to things so close we're like not opening up to new things you know and I totally I totally feel that like for me personally like I feel like I said I feel like I went through like six seven years of my life where I was just like kind of dead inside you know Mm. And just not letting anything in, not letting anyone in. Crazy stuff, man. Yeah. Um, the not letting in and the closing off, um, the that mode of not having that open heart, that open chakra, some would say. Um, tell me about that. Where do you think, Rob, that that in itself stems from for you? Um, what as in the um, like, like not being, being able to or being yeah, able to? Yeah, not being able to, yeah. I think that, I don't know, man. I reckon like everyone's probably super different. For me, I think it's a, the, the case of, I think in my life, I just was so driven. Like, I don't always think it comes from this bad place. I think you can just be so driven. And mm-hmm. it's, it's it's almost like all the little one percenters from being in particular industries. Like for me, being in the music industry, um, there's all these little one percenters that happen that I think just harden you up. So I don't yeah. think anyone ever wakes up going, I'm going to be like a hard dude, you know, yeah. like I think it's <laughs> yeah. just, you get to a point and you're just not, you're used to being so on guard all the time. And even just yeah. little things like this one little rejection that happened or this one little letdown that happens over here, or you were so pumped about this opportunity and then it didn't happen. That's one thing. So now you don't trust people anymore. So now the next time someone emails you saying, hey, it would be dope to do this. You're kind of like... Yeah, probably wouldn't happen, you know, like we just build up this hardness and this like almost like this um like like uh, like counting things out before they even happen. And I think that we do that yeah. with human connection too. Yeah. Where we sort of like when you meet someone, you almost assume without it's just like um mm. thing that we don't don't even realize we do, but it's almost like you assume that it's going to be um anything but just a lovely chat. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And for me, that's what it was. I felt, wow. I, I kind of felt like every time I like meet someone or something, like I felt hard and I felt like everything was an opportunity. So if I, <sighs> if I met someone, it would be like, I'll invest in this conversation because it's an opportunity for, for me to better my career or something like that. And I think that a lot of it comes from that where we're just so hot all the time, man. We're so busy and so running that oh. we just can't even enjoy what's right in front. Yeah, man. I for me, the language that I put to that is like you're 
once you take a step back, you realize that you've been living most of your life on the conveyor belt. Totally. And it's this conveyor belt of, of, of capitalism and you being this cog in this big, mean machine. Mm. And you don't realize how dehumanized you've actually become in that process. And you're seeing yourself as a product. You're seeing other people as product. And you're thinking in the context of KPIs and ROIs, return on investment. Is my investing into this person? What am I going to get out of this? And, and I think it's especially crazy. as an Aussie, once you've lived in the States for a while, like there are parts of America, as we know, like mm. be it LA, Chicago, New York, there is particular parts of the world where you are kind of put out in this driven way. And I remember, man, a couple of years ago, like just popping um, business cards to everyone. Mm. I was just kind of like, I'd be at these places and just kind of living in this constant promotion. And I was mm. complete, and I love connecting with people. But yeah, like you're saying, there was this kind of weird pong and this waft to it because at the end of the day, like I was drawn to people because of what I could get from that conversation and from that connection. And because of that, you are losing that deeper sense of connection and intimacy. Mm. And you come away at the end of the day, just kind of tired and like, has your soul come alive? And Mm. has it just been your ego connecting with other people's egos or has your soul been connecting with someone else's soul? And bro, like I... I don't, it's so hard for me just even looking at you through a screen to kind of see that part of Rob Amoruso, that manifestation, because yeah. <laughs> you seem so warm and so soft and so fucking open to connection, yeah. you know? Well, bro, it's, I think it's because like, you know, everything, yeah, it, it, that, that was a journey and that's still a journey, man. I almost feel like it's, you know, being in this, in my kind of field, um, I have to check myself every day and I literally do it, man. I'm like, I'm always like, okay, I'm a, I'm a human number one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like sure. that's the, that's the first Beautiful. thing, you know, yeah. if something awesome happens, it's bonus, but mm. I don't know, bro. We just, we're so pumped on stuff, huh? Yeah. We're so like, sure. we're so like, just gotta, it, gotta do everything. Yeah, man. Like my brother used to always tell me, it's like, it doesn't like, I used to play in a band with my brother and he would say to me things like, like beautifully, like, man, it doesn't matter how many people come tonight or how well we play. What matters is if we remember the name of the sound guy. Like, wow. just really coming back to like, fuck, like how human have we been? And like, what does it mm. mean to posture yourself towards humility and to stay in that place of, of a child and just mm. being free? And like, I think... It seems to me that even just talking to you now that you have gone through like almost like a rechilding of your heart because mm. even the way that you talk about music just seems like it's it's you just jumping into the sandpit with some of your friends, you know? It's it's like creating a world and even like Kyle, he's one of my best mates and he's very particular about who he works with, but mm. it's like if he senses good energy, like he doesn't matter what studio it is, man. He'll just He just likes that. He likes it when a connection comes first when, yeah. when the brotherhood or the sisterhood, the family comes first, you know? And yeah, man. And so, yeah, like I want to get into that kind of journey because you you really, kind of, you got signed quite young with, yeah. if any of you guys haven't heard of Jakubi, get into them. Incredible band, incredible productions. But because um, you guys probably, did you guys band together maybe 10 years ago? So it was, we got, uh, it was probably like seven, seven-ish. Yeah. Um, 
when we when we first started playing, but we were just best mates that were just playing house parties for a while, and we were actually all a part of different projects. Yeah. So Jacuby was like the birthing of this, like, I don't know, I guess, like for me, just to, I guess, to, to take it back a step, like I was always in bands my whole life. And yeah. I guess I was always in, um, you know, without sounding like a tool, but like bands that did like, okay, on an Australian sort of level. And every band, like I left school at 15 to start touring. Um, every band I was a part of, like there was maybe six before Jacuby all signed, uh, you know, all doing something on some capacity, wow. um, all doing the Jays thing, all doing the festival circuit, all that. And I guess I just always hit this ceiling. And mm. Jacuby was this this uh, really organic sort of, you know, us mates coming together, having jammed. And um, I suppose I'd sort of given up on the whole concept of like making it, you know, like I was sort mm. of over that whole thing. And I was like, man... I'm used to being getting, ra- you know, plays on the radio and still having to go and work at the warehouse tomorrow. Like mm. I kind of had assumed that there was no money to be made from anything I ever did creatively. And I was yeah. sort of cool with that, you know. Um, but we just used to play house parties. And then uh, our mates would always next day like, Rob, you guys have to record something. Just chuck it on SoundCloud or whatever so that we can just jam through the week to what you guys are doing. And we had three songs, man. Like we weren't even a band. Like we were just literally Mm. jamming. And when I say songs, I I mean like we had like three different chord progressions. That was Mm. it. And we just jam. And we just do that. And I wasn't producing at all. I just had garage band. And it was literally nothing wrong with garage band, by the way. People kill it on that. But... I didn't know what I was doing and we just decided to have a jam and record it and then we just chopped it and made it into a song and chucked it on SoundCloud and probably within three or four days, man, we had like half a million streams on it and we would like, okay, who are all these people? Mm. How's this happened? We haven't done any promo. We, we don't know anything about any, any of this stuff, you know? And it just started building. So Jacuby was the thing that sort of really organically took off when in a time when I suppose I'd sort of gotten over the idea of even doing anything. Mm. And then probably, yeah, three months later, man, we were touring the States and it sort of just went from there. Wow. Dude, like, and and from what I read, that first tour in the States was quite humbling. Oh, bro. Like Breaking we, in a, <laughs> to high school gyms to have a shower. <laughs> Oh, dude, it was wild, man. We we went to we pulled up at LAX and we um, found this beautiful Mexican man. His name was um, Herman and Roberto. It was two two brothers, and they sold us this thirty six foot um, RV, this huge bounder motorhome. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, if we can get this thing, we can live, we can sleep, we can everything in in one we can this is our transportation we're going to cut down costs because we just got this thing Mm. but bro within three hours it broke so the engine worked but nothing else worked the generator broke so when the sun would go down that was the end we were like trying to find things in this bus with our phones and yeah like you said breaking into like high school gyms and stuff just to shower before sets um it was it was really 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 intense man and like like the agent that pulled us out there basically said, um, I think I can like get the right people in the room, but you guys got to do it all yourself, uh, fund it all yourself. So it was definitely a roll of the dice, man. And we did six weeks and 
came back destroyed, man. Like we were so skinny and we're like, we're just living on cornflakes and there's like fruit flies in my hair. It was messed up, bro. It wasn't good. <laughs> and how old are you at this stage? I was maybe like 20, maybe seven, six, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, came back, probably like the ego was a little bit deflated. Yeah. <laughs> Because playing smaller shows, but then you guys go back to the States again because there was another opportunity mm. and then things kind of start to blow up. Yeah, yeah. When we went back, it was different, man, because um, I suppose this agent that had us there on the first trip, his thing was, I'll get the people in the room. Uh, it can't guarantee any other people in the room. So there was like 12 people in the room, but I, I guess they were like, you know, the right 12 people on an industry level. So yeah. we got home thinking we'll probably never do this ever again. And then I started getting emails from different managers, different labels. And yeah, probably it was soon, man. It was probably another uh, three to four months after that till we went back and um, Ali Reid from, yeah. he was um, heading Epic Records at that point. And yeah, he signed us to a, a pretty pretty great deal out there. And, and that was game, complete game changer, man. Like we put out um, another single out there and, and sort of went from one tour with 12 people in each room to like the next tour with like, you know, thousand cap every city um, and every festival. And it was really wild, man. It was a, a big, um, yeah, night and day for and sure. So through LA, you guys got visas as well. And, and then you started and then you moved to the States. Yeah, yeah. We, we, it was sort of weird. So we were always technically like living in, in Australia, I suppose, but we were, so we'd come back for about a week or two every couple months. So, and then we'd go back. So, cause we all had family and stuff here. So, and it was very tricky trying to like set up shop, particularly cause we were just touring flat out. So we were doing like 60, 70 dates in one hit, man. And we'd have maybe like a day or two off a fortnight, if that, and that day or two off we'd have, we were doing radio or or whatever, some sort of press. Um, we did this for about four years. We're like, Whoa. yeah, we just come home every couple of months. Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, things are happening. You guys are traveling and the band chemistry is still good at that point. Like things are, because like it, it kind of feels like things kind of picked up on kind of like an extreme kind of scale. It was kind of, it was on and you guys yeah. were touring and playing these larger cap shows. Um, but, yeah. but how was the vibe? How was the soul journey at that time? How was it your was soul good. journey and how was the connection it, with the boys? I think like, I think then, man, to be honest, like it was, it was, it was definitely the dream come true and yeah. everything was beautiful. And it was like, we were, we were loving it. And it was nothing short of a dream come true. We were like doing everything we ever wanted to and more. Um, and we're getting paid to do it. And that was cool. I think at that point, um, we were cool. Like me personally, I can only speak on, on my behalf, but I, I guess you you just sort of put a bit of a mask on and you, yeah. I just sort of did that. And I kind of put this mask on and I think while the mask, like while it was fresh and um, novelty and all that sort of stuff, it was like really nice, but it's like, you know, 2013, pull up at LAX, put this mask on. And then like same mask in 2017 was like, like, you know, bricks, dude. It was so heavy and it just got Whoa. so hard to put that mask back on every time I'd go back. So, you know what I mean? We'd sort of pull up um, and, and it was work. It was like, cool, we know what we got to do. We got another 60 but cities to tell do. Tell us about that mask. 
And so putting on that heavier mask, the mask is changing. It's getting heavier and girthier. Yeah. And you're like, oh, put it on. But um, is that kind of like the – you're putting on that. Is it a rock star mask? Is it a business mask? Like what? what is tell, – tell us about that experience. I think it's like kind of a bit of everything. Um, for me, it was more – it wasn't so much the rock star style. It was more that you just – um, turn into everything is just business and it becomes so consuming. So mm. everything's about business. So you meet someone or say I'd have a conversation with somebody back home, like an old friend and I instantly would go into interview mode, you know, like you just get conditioned and I just found it really difficult to be actually a human, like kind of like what we were saying before and be vulnerable because mm. this mask is like, it's weighty and it's like, it's the show mask, you know? So it's yeah. it's that person that you got to be um, after the show when you're selling merch and when fans come up and, and getting photos and that, it just got harder and harder to take that off. Where at yes, start, got it, it got was kind of like, because of the novelty, you know, it's kind of like chuck it on and chuck it away. Now I'm cool. But I think the longer you do it and the further I got into that journey, the harder I've, I found to actually physically take that off. And it was consuming, man, to the point where I would like, you know, wake up in the middle of the night kind of panicked because I felt like I was like, I don't know, meant to be somewhere or I was late or maybe I missed, you know, you'd, you wake up really anxious because I'm like, I'm going to miss, miss lobby call or I don't know, man. It just definitely brought on all of these feelings of just like, running mm. too hot and anxiety and just gross, man. Yeah. And do you want to explain as well? Because you guys are doing some massive support to this stage as well. Mm, mm. Um, who were some of the guys that we you were playing before? So we did stuff like, we did some fun stuff, man. Like we did like all the fe- all US festivals. Um, I guess the- You the played Coachella? Sort of stand out. No, that was like the one thing we were like, we, did you we do never Lola? synced. Sorry, say again? Did you do Lollapalooza? Nah, nah, that was, nah, nah, none of that sort of style. But that's, that was definitely one of the ones that we were, yeah, we just short of, I think, that style. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but man, like we did stuff like, you know, we did um, like Justin Timberlake at, um, I think it was a 2016 or no, 2017. Um, uh, bro, yeah, what's he would have been on massive venues. The, the American football, what's it called? The big American football Super Bowl. Thing. Yeah, Super Bowl. Yeah, in Minneapolis, we did that. That was cool. We did like Grand Prix with like Bruno Mars and Britney Spears and like real pop star, you know what I mean? Like that kind of yeah, that that kind of stuff. But yeah, as to be honest, dude, like I think all that now kind of turned into a bit of a blur. I'm kind of like, <laughs> like I know it's it's almost like a movie you once watch where yeah. it's like I know what happened, but it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like something I really lived through as much as something I just viewed, you know? Whoa. It's crazy. Yeah, because I can't imagine, unless you were super intentional and awake about it, like to be present in all of that and mm. embracing the experience and just sitting there and just and I could imagine with the go, go, go and, you know, Ben being called out of the hotel, like you're flying to all these cities but not seeing these cities. You're jumping on Mm. planes, jumping in vans, jumping on stage, sound check, back to the hotel, back to the venue to play, getting on another plane, just like, yeah, man, unless you were so intentional 
Like, mm. how could you stay in a place of deep soul thriving? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's the thing. Like, I couldn't. There was yeah. no way. There was no possible way to keep keep cool for me through that. And I think, like, you know, anyone that you speak to that, that sort of has, um, is living in that place and and keeping cool, they definitely have sort of some sort of anchor. You yeah. know what I mean? They've got, they've got something that's sort of keeping them grounded and, it's funny, man. Like it's it's not to blame it on the industry. I think it's just 100%. the individual and, yeah. and different personalities deal with it differently, you know? Like, yeah. like I know people that live through that sort of thing and they thrive on it and they love it and they end up being like, you know, it brings out more creativity and like they're like inspired. The, the Ryan the Ryan Tedders of the world. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, who's one of the greatest songwriters, rock star, pop stars right now. Great family life, has multiple yeah. businesses, drops his kids yeah. to school. Yeah. But man, I think like what it reminds me of, like I always think about with that is I think it comes down to identity or lack of identity, you know? And like yeah. for me personally, like my dream was to get to America to make a living off music and do all that. And I think that like what what really started to kill it, like, you know, rotting me inside was that um, it stopped being about music. So it started mm. being more about ticking boxes and it started being more about, is this going to make for good content on social media? It's like you, you, you become the, the record label in a way and you start like really not only taking their advice, but you turn into one of, one of them, you know, in the mm. sense of everything becomes an opportunity, like we're saying before. And I think like I got into this like video game mentality where Whew. I never really felt great about, about any of it, man. But, you know, yeah. in in a way, it was like, you're always thinking the next level, if I just clock this level, the next thing I do is going to be the thing that makes me feel good. Or the next thing, that's when I'll feel fulfilled in some way. And um, it, it it really is sort of like a, like a, um, a lack of identity thing. And I, I just had no idea who I was, man. And I think when, yeah. you, when you do this stuff from young as well, um, you kind of, in a sense, just become the product of the current project mm. that you're a part of. Yeah, man. I, I'm, uh, I'm reading this book called Heavier Than Heaven, like the uh, autobiography about Kurt Cobain. And it's insane that he felt that if he could tick boxes, um, getting played at MTV, um, writing a number one, Smells Like Teen Spirit, all these bangers that came out. He's mm. in that incredible 90s Seattle rock band with Dave Grohl called Nirvana. Mm. But he believes that his mental and emotional spiritual state, everything just got worse the bigger that the band got. Yeah, yeah. And he couldn't figure it out. Like he went to church before Nirvana blew up and he, in his, in his journal notes and in some of his suicide letters, he's praying to God. Why, mm. God, why aren't you taking away this addiction to drugs, you know? And like just this, he couldn't understand why this fame was actually making his heart condition in mm. in a more despondent space, you know? And and I think, yeah, like when you hear about his story, like I'm sure your story's a lot different with like he came from a very broken home and spent life on the street. Mm. But the more that I read this book, the more that I just see that he lacked a lot of deep-rooted identity. And exactly, yeah. The identity like, you know, and we all go through it as boys as well, like trying to like, trying to be the man, trying to be the guest on from the Beauty and the Beast and like, <laughs> you know, what should a man be like? And for me coming from Newcastle, like driving a Hilux, um, growing up playing rugby league, 
You know, mm. if you're going to play in a band, you're going to play fucking heavy music or be like yeah. Silverchair, you know, and, you know, but yeah. then like how many people are going to come to my shows? Um, you find identity in that. How attractive is my girlfriend? Find identity in that. Do my friends yeah. find my girlfriend attractive? <laughs> um, my friends got signed to Sony. I didn't get signed to Sony. Um, yeah. You know, oh, surfing is a masculine trait. I'm going to become a surfer, going to surf bigger waves, identity, you know, long hair is an identity thing. I went through the emo movement and I'm sure yeah. you kind of, yeah, I'm an there. 87 baby, you know? Yeah, like, and there. again, like that was one more arrow in the quiver for me, like having good hair when I was mm -hmm. 17. You couldn't even get skinny jeans that were male back in the day. They're always female women's skinny jeans. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. I remember having to go into Supre. Supre, yeah, Supre jeans. <laughs> I would like borrow my sister's hair straightener because for those two years, emo, screamo, metalcore was like the thing. Yeah, Everyone's listening totally. to Under Oath, Funeral for a Friend, these the used. And so yeah. again, identity. And it's kind of like, it wasn't rugby league anymore. Now it was this new identity. Mm. But it wasn't until for me that growing up in church, when I came back to this concept of knowing that, that I was a child of God and that transcended all of those material manifestations and all of that form, that was probably the portal for me that actually started for me to kind of find that deep core inner freedom was knowing yeah. that I, I had this divine love that loved me more than my my ability to play bass and write songs mm. and to surf and how many friends I didn't have. Like, and I think that was something that was tangible for me that that planted a seed from a younger age that I was like, fuck, like I am suffering because of my attachment to form and my definition of success. Mm. It's killing me. And like, I couldn't even, I had, social media, even MySpace, seeing my friends blow up in music and me not blow, just comparisons was destroying my ability to love people because they were totally. a threat to my kingdom, to my empire of greatness. <laughs> yeah, totally. I hear you so much, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't know if there was something for you that actually you being a man of faith and coming to these concepts, and I think even the word identity, like we don't talk about that enough, especially men. It's difficult mm. unless you're in yeah. church or another spiritual practice or in a men's circle. Like identity is still not really that's something that is consistently part of our vocabulary, part of our vernacular. But mm. I don't know, man, was it something for yourself being a man of faith coming back to this understanding of being a son of God, a son of the divine that did start to help you become more free? Yeah, so I think like, like first off, that's ridiculous. Like everything you just said was just so bang on. Um, but... Um, I'm just sorry. Is it? I think that I, I guess it's worth noting. I wasn't always um, doing the church thing and the God mm. thing. So I like. So I grew up in it, and then I was completely against it. So mm. for me, through all of this, I because my parents are pastors, right? So we grew Whoa. up planting churches, and then I completely I got to an age maybe. Oh man, like 19, 20, and I hated church and everything to do with that. I completely despised the concept of there being a God. Mm. And I was I was really quite bitter towards it all. And through all this Jacoby stuff, I was still really against all of it. Mm. So me finding 
peace mentally, all of that, um, and me coming back to church is the same story. Mm. You know, it's kind of this like really, really strange thing where I swore I would never walk back into a church again. And yeah. I had this one point where I guess I'd I'd hit a, a complete low and I was yeah. in America and I felt like I was, you know, doing everything I'd ever wanted to do and still feeling horrible. And I'd look at my phone and I'd look at pictures. I remember one specific um, day where we were in studio and we were hanging out with Drake and I was always a really big fan of Drake um, and that that whole kind of hip hop movement that he brought in. And um, I remember looking back in the photos and it made me so sad and it just made me, just something hit me and it just went, everything I'm doing literally has all of this, this photo, there's no purpose in this photo. It's going to be great when I post it on Instagram, but that's so fleeting. And that just hit me, that whole thing hit me so much. And I feel like that was sort of the beginning of this, hole that I, that I needed to fall in, by the way, looking back, you know, in hindsight, but I just fell into this pit. And as soon as I felt that feeling of, whoa, there's no purpose in this, um, anything else I did like that, it just felt so empty. And it felt, and it's nothing against the people I was hanging yeah. with or anything like that. Yeah. I just lost the purpose in it. Yeah. So I'm standing in the middle of New York City and I'm, I'm literally on a corner and I'm like, just feeling this heavy weight of darkness that I'd see, I'd never struggled with anxiety or depression ever in my life. Mm. And this is the first time I'd really tasted, you know, this, this taste, this, mm. this deep purple depression, this pit in my belly. And I'm standing there and I'm just like, what is this feeling? I thought I was going to die, dude. It was so intense. Um, um, it didn't go away. Mm. And I woke up the next day and it, it was still there. And then I'm in a hotel and I like woke up and I'm like, surely I feel good today. And it's like, it didn't go away. It's, it's, I'm Whoa. like, it's still there, that feeling. And it stayed there for six months, dude. And it was almost Oof. like once I tasted this feeling, I, I, couldn't get, I couldn't get rid of it. It was like mm. so deeply rooted in me. You know, it was so bizarre, man. And, you know, I was, I, I become really suicidal and, you know, I was also yeah. using um, a lot of drugs as well. Uh, just the, the cliches, you know, and yeah. for six months, man, I just tried to play it cool on the road. And, Did you feel you for know, a second, the drugs kind of took the edge off a little bit of, of that pain, just numbing and. Yeah, I, I, feel I, like- I think it just gave a, a bit of like excitement. To be yeah. honest, I think it yeah. just gave a little bit of tonight's going to be fun because we're going to go wild. And it's it's not like I ever thought that was really the answer. It wasn't like that. It's just like, you're just looking for any sort of relax or Completely. any sort of peace. Yeah. And for six months, bro, I just remember this feeling of like being in this black room and just knowing that if I could find the light switch, I knew I'd be okay. It's like, I knew I just needed to feel around the walls for long enough to find this switch just to get some sort of light, you know? And I just couldn't find it, man. And like, I, I guess after six months, I had like a full, like nervous breakdown and I completely crumbled, man. And like, it was a Thursday night. I was in public and I just, tears started coming 
and they didn't stop for three months, man. I moved back home. I moved like back to Australia full time. I didn't answer my phone. Labels cut with me. Management's like, where's Rob? I, you know, shout out to the boys. Like, I'm sorry for putting everyone through that. Like I did, I wouldn't answer my phone. Nothing, dude. I just went complete MIA because I couldn't handle any, um, I don't know, just, I, I, I couldn't handle anything familiar, you mm. know? So any familiar faces would set me off. It was just something mm. about this, this burnout that happens. Mm. Um, and so, man, we like, mm. like myself and my wife at this point, like she's obviously pretty freaked out by the whole thing and complete character change. You know, I'd always been super upbeat in my life and this is the first time she'd seen me like super, you know, broken, I guess. So we're living out of hotels, man, because I couldn't live at my house. I couldn't sleep. I just needed any sort of excitement, any sort of fresh wall would be enough to keep me cool for a couple of minutes to settle the, the anxiety that I was having. I couldn't sleep. So you're sit even triggered, triggered from being at your own house. Everything, dude. I couldn't switch it off. I'd be in my own bedroom, panicked. And it was like this, it was like this adrenal fatigue where I'd just been switched on hot for so long that I didn't know how to uncool it. So it's like, I always felt, it's like, imagine like you, you're playing this, a massive stage is like 80,000 people and the adrenaline, that adrenaline's fantastic there where you're in that moment, but it sucks when you're trying to go to sleep, right? Well, I just yeah. felt that heat. It's like, I couldn't switch off this adrenaline and I was buzzing. I couldn't sit down to eat my meals, dude. I had to pace up, up and down the house just to get food into me. It was like, Really, really oh full God. on, man. I couldn't like, couldn't communicate. And dude, I literally tried everything and I, I quit music. I was convinced that it's like, I'll never make another song. I'll never go back on, out on the road, none of that. And I tried everything, man. I was on Google. I'm like trying every breathing technique there was. I'm like reading up on every different movement there is. And finally, I, man- Had you been to any- therapists at this stage as well like we yeah i i'd like exhausted everything man and like <laughs> i think it was just for me something about church like I, I obviously didn't want to do it because the pride in me was like nah don't go back don't go back but there was something about it that at the end of it at the end of you know my rope like you know i i'd i tried to jump in front of a truck twice dude you know like i was Fuck. i was desperate I, w I was not just low, you know, people speak about like, man, I was like going through a hard patch. I was like done. I was like, if I, if I can't find any sort of like hope, then I won't make it an another hour, that vibe. And dude, I just like decided, I don't know. I'm like, man, something about going back to the roots for me was really important, kind of like where it all began. And that's mm. where church, because I grew up in church, I still didn't believe in God, to be honest, man. I still didn't want a bar of any of the organization or any of the politics yeah. or any of the yeah. garbage that I just knew that something about getting back to my roots was attractive as opposed mm. to putting on this face of this, this, this new person I'd become, you know? So I like rocked up on the doorstep of this church in, in East Melbourne and dude, I just like, walked in and for the first time in ages, I just felt like I didn't have to be someone else. I didn't have to pretend. I didn't have to be Rob, the band guy or the music guy, anything like that. I could just like exist in this moment and just be there 
And it was something like spiritually that really came alive. Um, and I just planted myself there, man. So that was sort of, you know, it wasn't definitely wasn't overnight. It took another three, four months before I kind of even wanted to look at an instrument again. But that was how I got out of it, I think, sort of coming to terms with um, kind of what you said, man, like having that realization that it's like, I'm actually not alone in this. Yeah. And there, and there is, I started seeing how I could use uh, my experience and all of this hard times that I'd been through um, as a way to kind of like, I don't know, I could give it purpose. There was like yeah. a way that I could kind of, you know, move beyond this point completely different to how I'd been obviously, but mm. better, you know? Bro. Yeah, man. Coming back to that spiritual heritage and there's something yeah. about um, coming back to that spiritual community and the support where you can actually feel like <laughs> you're loved, not as a performer, not just as mm. an instrument, but mm. you know, that you're actually part of a family, like a family kingdom on earth. Yeah. Like, um, and it sounds like so bloody cliche, but really deeply experiencing unconditional love. Yeah. Yeah. And just the healing nature of that. Mm. You know, and I think it's if you believe that 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 God is love and that you're able to bathe in that unconditional love, then the way that you see your fellow man is completely different as well. Like it's it's not a competition, it's not about comparison, it's it's blood. It's it's a blood brother. It's it's brother. It's sister. It's 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 your own flesh and blood, and um, and I'm sure, man, just reconnecting with your heart and reconnecting with community, just that would have been a painful time, but like a beautiful time of healing. Where I think, you know, the divine met you in that chaos. Um, is that your phone? Am I? Oh, sorry, man, my brother. Oh, 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 oh. sorry, dude. Uh, yeah, what just happened. Technology. But the divine kind of meeting you in that chaos. And I think it is pain can be the biggest teacher. Pain can fucking be the biggest burner of ego. Yeah. And it's like you are a poster boy and you're playing in stadiums and arenas, but still feeling lifeless mm. and feeling void. Um, but yeah, bro, like it's incredible to see you on the other side. Not that you're, you've arrived or I've arrived, but the fact that as brothers at this point, we can talk soul to soul. And it's like, it's like we're kids again. And I yeah, think even man. Jesus even said that if you're going to see the kingdom of God, you've got to become like a child. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, there is a system, whether you're in the corporate or in the music industry or in the surfing world, that is still saying that you need to be something and that you need to act yeah. in a certain way. Um, you need to get mechanistic, but it's like, coming back to essence and presence and and this present moment and yeah, yeah bro you you seem like a changed man man it's crazy like and and you're right it does sound cliche but it's for a reason man i think it's just like yeah dude it was just wild man just that feeling of being able to be somewhere and just be yourself and like not have to you know it wasn't about success or accolades or anything like that it was yeah. more about like, who are you as a person? And it made me want to be a better person. And you're, you're spot on, man. Like going through that pain, it's funny, man. Like I think about like that whole journey and I used to be so intolerant. I used to be like super judgmental, super fast paced, 
And I just, I look at these things and I look at them like, you know, depression was, this, this is going to be a very like controversial thing to say, but like for me, the depression I felt was a blessing, dude, mm. because it's almost like all of all those feelings, all the sorrow feelings were taken and put in its place was like empathy. Mm. You know what I mean? And then like the anxiety was feeling was taken and then it was kind of like peace was put in its place. So it mm. wasn't like, I went through this thing and learned how to deal with it and carried on and all that. It was, I literally felt like all these things, they were there for a reason and they were there to teach me one for one. So it was almost Oof. like like really refining my character. And I'm a big mm. believer that we all have like a massive purpose and, and you know, um, I think the catch with it is, is that in order to, really live out our purpose and be on your path and 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 really feel comfortable um, in what you're doing, you need to be not focusing on everyone else so much and you need to be yeah. on your part and not being, you know, looking around and not comparing so much and all these things and just sort of accepting that I am who I am. I'm going to have my weaknesses. I'm going to have my strengths. Um, they don't need to be compared to someone else. I don't need mm. to look at your journey. You don't really need to, you know, compare to mine. Um, and all we need to do is sort of show up every day in our own life and try and be the be the best we can and mm. be more more tolerant to each other and more understanding and more compassionate and all of these things that again are super cliche, but sort mm. of make up what a pretty dope person is. You know what I mean? Like when you think about it. It's yeah. like, it's not really rocket science. It's like that person had time for me. Yeah. Like that goes, that goes far, man, you know? Yeah, man. And it seems like um, that purpose that you're talking about, even the things that are written about you, um, studying um, your own um, artist development network and, and you really believing in the new generation of songwriters and artists mm. and you really wanting to back their dreams. Mm. And it's like, and that's part of your dream and your purpose being fulfilled as well. But there is something beautifully philanthropic about that, that you're investing into other writers and, and building mm. up their careers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. I, th I think like, so when I was like really struggling, I started hanging with this dude, his name's Kevin. And he was actually an astronaut and he was this dude from Texas. And um, he, <laughs> he moved down to, to Melbourne and he, um, it was interesting, man, like, Every couple of days, we would just meet up. Older guy, we'd just meet up and just go for a walk and just chat. He wasn't like a psychologist. He was just a, a dude from, from the church and he just had time for me, you know? And I remember we're walking through the botanical gardens in Berwick one day and I remember thinking, man, this dude, I love this dude. He's so awesome. But I'm like, doesn't he have anything better mm. to do with his day than to just like hang out with me? And- then I realized, man, this is the thing that gives him purpose. And mm. it's funny because out of all of my idols and role models that I ever looked up to and, you know, when I was a kid, bro, I just wanted to be Jim Morrison. You know mm. what I mean? Like there were all these people that I, I idolized them. And out of all of them, something hit me and I was like, man, this is who I want to be like. Like mm. it doesn't matter about what sphere it's in or, you know, or in what capacity. I just want to be someone that is getting up in the morning and using their gifts and their talents and their reach 
to be able to serve somebody else. And mm. something about him and just like the way he did that, like that, that was why I wanted to do the artist development thing, dude. I had no desire before that. It was how can I do music and do what I love to do, but how can I do it to serve somebody else? Mm. And it just felt like this natural progression where, you know, obviously I do a bunch of like, like producing and writing for other people that are, are already developed and all of that. But something about like creating space for new artists, it makes me feel like all of this isn't just to boost my ego. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, man. Like it's, I, I haven't been to church for quite a, a long time now, but like I, I can honestly say that growing up, again, back to these cliches, like the happiest that I'd ever felt in my life growing up um, was definitely on times like mission trips. Mm. Like, and even when I used, I used to be a minister and taking kids on, on, on mission trips, even in my, my mid twenties and, um, and being involved um, in school um, kind of chaplaincy work. And um, like, there was something so beautiful about literally just pouring your life out for other people's lives. Mm. And like, you know, it's one thing to like for a celebrity from LA to kind of go to Africa and be seen in Botswana next to a well, yeah. you know, like it's good for them. It's good for their Instagram. It's good for like Cosmo magazine. But like, but there is something like when you just find yourself in a place of service that Again, like it's kind of indescribable and there's actually nothing more fulfilling than I feel than actually like amidst music and all these things, like, but mm. deep joy and deep contentment mm. from just being present with people that are, are even like unlovable, you know, <laughs> and yeah, like totally, building other people's man. dreams and like, but even in music, building other, other things, like even me working with Kyle and building, helping to build Kyle's empire and, Exactly, it's just beautiful exactly. because it's like it's taking away from just this ego show of me trying to build my Tower of Babylon for the day. And yeah. You know, and obviously, like, it's all about balance, but I just definitely see the principle for me in just saying that it's just like, I think there's something to be said about service. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, I, yeah, bro, like, it's, it's beautiful to hear that, that even this is, is part of your healing is investing mm. into others. It really is, dude. And it's like, it just, it just gives purpose, man. Just yeah. any way you look at it, it just gives, cause like, you know, I've got plenty of dreams that I still want to yeah. want to live out. We all wanna, you know? There's nothing wrong with so, desiring to win a Grammy. Like I'd love to win a Grammy for sure. Right, so fun. So it's, it's not to say that you can't have your stuff. It's more yep. just how can I use my stuff to help someone else? For sure. I think it's just, Agreed. you know, it's like, it's almost less about what you're doing and it's more about the mentality that you do it with because it looks yeah. very similar, man. Like, you know, say <laughs> even like, you know, we're talking about um, Kyle, like when me and Kyle first met, you know, like that was a session that we were, we were hooked up through the label um, to jam and, you know, I worked on a song. It was on surface, you know, it was a job. Yeah. But it was more, for me, it's more about how, how can I, like how can I go into it in a way, an attitude and a frame of mind that's, I think the first thing I said to Carl, dude was, bro, this is about you. This is all you. What do you need help with? How can I help mm. you achieve what you want to do? And something about doing that, um, it not only propels other people forward, man, but it really pushes you forward as well. Because I think, you know, just on a, on a human, on a practical level, 
people people like working working with other people when they want to when they you know are just there to help them. So that's mm. cool. And I think for you and just for your soul, it's like you go to sleep at night, laying in bed, and you're not so much about like it doesn't feel like a grind. It feels yeah. more like it like it's not this striving element to it. It's more kind of like man, I feel like part of a team even if it's temporary mm. and it's just for the next two days but there's this team element to it and it's just yeah. I don't know bro for me it's made all the difference like I love yeah. music man and I, I love making music I just never want to I never want to I never want it to feel like it did you know yeah man I think even coming back to the example of like collaborating on Beautiful Life mm. you know I was a co-writer co-producer and there's another guy called Paul and then yeah. Kyle wrote it produced it but it was Kyle's song quote unquote, he was the guy, the mouthpiece, but you helped with the mix. Mm. And it was just kind of like, it was, it was bizarre, man. Even the amount of people that were tagging like all of us into like the Instagram story. So awesome, <laughs> But like, man. why doesn't that happen more? Where it's kind of like, we're actually just being very transparent that there's a bloody team family behind this. Like, yeah. But that was kind of cool that people found that even cool, that it was like, it's, we're a bloody family. And like yeah. we're working on this beautiful music. We all believe in the messaging so much. Yeah. yeah. You know, that, um, and Kyle, like embracing the boys and we're all in this thing, even on his socials. Like mm. it was just yeah. like, maybe there's a change in the tide, man. And maybe even in the complicated, complex, ego-driven music industry that we're seeing light, that it's becoming more about connection. And I, yeah. I like Andy Max becoming like a better friend of mine, great producer from the Central Coast and- like the when I worked with him just a couple of weeks ago, he even talked about just how much now connection and chemistry is like it's up there with like the bigger percentage of like why like that being so important now for his workflow. And if he doesn't mm. feel that same soul connection with people, he struggles to work with them long long term. Doesn't matter mm. who you are, you know? And I think it is like a thing of like there's something so beautiful about working with people that are on that same spiritual energetic wavelength. Yeah, totally. And I think people are just, um, just like, just recognizing too, man, that like, yeah. you know, you can have success and you can do all these things, but it's, it doesn't, it doesn't change that longing for connection. Yeah. And, you know, like for me, you know, I can, I can definitely, my, my whole story show me that, that it's like, any accolade, anything you do, that's not going to get rid of that thing. Like we're designed to connect with people. Yeah. Um, and anytime you can have success or success can come out of um, a situation like that where you've been able to connect in that, it's always going to feel so much better. Mm. And I think people want that more, man, because we're, we're living in a weird time right now, bro. Like think about how much we're like, connected to everything, but we're not connected to anything. To anything, you know, wow. Like we know everything that's happening, dude, everywhere. And like, everywhere, but yeah. when was last time we like actually had like a, a hang, like, you know, two people connecting, that sort of thing. And I think about me, man, like it doesn't, it doesn't happen often, not as much as I'd like to. I feel like mm. I know everybody's business, but man, I just, I miss mm. those, those old jam days, bro, where you get into a rehearsal studio and you hang and it's just the dudes and yeah. you're making music and you're talking and I don't know, man. It's I just a recently time. had a, a day put aside. It was almost like a Sabbath, right? I was with my friend Charity and, and Chris Collins and 
she's an incredible drummer. He's an incredible producer. Obviously, he worked with Skeggs, Ruby Fields, and everyone. But he's an old friend of mine from the old Christian rock music days. Yeah. And we put aside this day. Like, we've all got pretty weird schedules, but we're, like, we're committing to it. We just spent a morning having breakfast, went for a swim, and then we just set up for a jam. We didn't even have like a room mic to record it. It, I, I ended up getting out my voice memo because I got some writing ideas, but the intention was not to write. The intention was cool. actually just to be present together, yeah. just, just enjoying each other and enjoying connection and musical creative language. Mm. Um, and from that, some incredible things came, but like how many times have I just always seen days of the year as opportunities to make money? And to mm. meet someone famous or like, you know, just like, you know, oh, my Instagram, I lost followers. Like, why does that take yeah, up space man. in my day, in my, in my heart, you know? Mm. Um, but it's just, yeah, I love that, man. Like coming back to, to connection. Bro, yeah. I was just going to say, like, I, I reckon that there's someone listening to this podcast who is talking about that hellish season that you've reflected on, but it's actually their present reality. Mm. Um, and they've thought you know suicidal thoughts over a couple of months they've gone through a heavy breakup they've mm. experienced depression anxious thoughts deeply anxious thoughts about the future um and they are in that deeply dark despondent shadow space and mm. um and how how can you speak into that reality not not like this is oprah or dr phil but just <laughs> like yeah what do you have to say to that brother or that sister that's listening in I think I think what I would say is um firstly I don't I don't think there's 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 necessarily like one bit of advice that can change that but um for me what was really powerful was recognizing that I wasn't alone mm. that um you're not alone like people feel these things um and everything is seasonal mm. so just like this has come on it will pass Mm. And I think that um, we live in a very quick time where if something lingers for a couple of days, it becomes our reality. Um, yeah. This is not and your reality. And we think that we are that. Like, What's that, sorry? And we believe that that is us. And yeah, that exactly, is our reality. Yeah. And we are our thoughts. We are our feelings. Well, if I feel this, I must be that. I must. Exactly. Yeah, but, but dude, this, that yeah. all things must pass. That's it's through all faith groups. They've all said that one principle for a long time, but keep going, bro. I love that. Yeah. Just, just, yeah, man. Like um, it's, it's, it's seasonal, man. Like it will pass and it's something that um, is with you right now, but, but it isn't you, Yeah. you know? And I think that's so important to acknowledge that you could be in a time where you're, um, you know, it's, it, it looks like you can't, you, you're rubbing your hands all over the walls and, you, and you're trying to find a light switch. Like that's what I did for a long time. And um, this, this is something that's seasonal and it will pass and you will get through it. And on the other side of it, um, you will be a different person and you'll be a really amazing person, you know. Yeah, it'll, for sure. It'll, it'll definitely it, it change you. It can take you, you deeper. You know? That hell can actually be in the pathway for your heaven. Like I completely yeah. believe that. Like the darkest time, the most painful experience can be the greatest teacher, the greatest tool for a yeah. deeper search, a deeper confrontation of ego yeah. and suffering. Mm. Um, dude, um, oh, what was going to say in that? Um, 
Yeah, bro. Like, um, yeah, I, I think everything you're saying is just so pertinent and important. And I feel like, do you feel like if you could reflect back to when you're on the road and when you're in those wacky hotel rooms, crazy schedule, and you're in that dark space, mm. why didn't you feel more comfortable to talk to your bandmates about this I've, reality and just putting language to it and just being like, boys, I'm fucking struggling. Like, I think I just, I think there's two things. I think the first thing is I didn't think it was an issue. Because it's 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 Whoa. so slow and it's so gradual, man. It definitely is like the frog in the in the pot of boiling water. Like I didn't realize I was becoming that person or or getting that dark until it really hit me. I think that's probably the first thing. Second thing is I didn't feel like I could speak to anybody. You know, mm. like to be honest, I kind of felt like a spoiled brat. Like there there were a few people I spoke to. Um, and it's not to shame them or anything, but you know, their reactions were like, dude, you're, you're living the dream. And, and I almost felt embarrassed to tell anybody that I, that I was really struggling because I kind of felt like a spoiled brat. You know, I remember speaking mm. to A&Rs um, sort of about the topic being like, yeah, I just don't feel myself. I don't feel like, you know, mm. I, I think I need some time off, you know? Mm. And it was, there was always this um, response of, but we're just around the corner from this big thing or just hang in there a little longer or and or even further, man, and again, not shaming on, but even further, like I remember having one convo and this guy, which I actually love him, great person, but um, very business driven, said to me, do you really want to go back to working in a warehouse? Like, is that the life you want? Well, if not, then you just got to roll with it. And it made me feel like a spoiled brat for even acknowledging that I wasn't feeling good. Mm. So all, all of those things, man, I think that um, the speed in which that life is doesn't leave a lot of room. Ooh, that's to so even manipulative. Reflect. That's so dark. That's like, right. it, it sounds like he's doing you a favor, but that is so heavy. That's so dark. Yeah. There's a lot of, lot of manipulation that happens there, man. And like, oh. yeah, man. <laughs> Woo. Oh. It was a crazy time, dude. Oh, man. But it's great, man. I think there is like the dawn of of new men. And I think it's songs like Beautiful Life that kind of sum up what is happening around the world. Mm. Like even the other day, Kyle called me about a music thing, but then he just asked me how I was going. And, uh, yeah. and then I just said, bro, honestly, like having a weird couple of days, it was Father's Day. I've got a weird relationship with my dad. It was hard. And, and I'm thinking about my ex that I really miss her, you mm. know? And there was just kind of this thing and- and Kyle just held space for me, you know? It was just like, bro, like, it might take you years to get over your ex, bro. And she had such an impact on your life. And, mm. but, um, you know, like, but even just walking away from that chat, him just listening and being present with me, I walked away just feeling so much stronger. Mm, that's so awesome, You man. know, and, and that I so just good. was able to observe, like, another part of my insecurity and just my humanness and... um. Yeah, bro. Like, I, I, I just hope that that more producers in Australia, more performers, more people in the mm. art industry, are, are having more of these conversations, bro. Because I think this is how we're going to help to heal the world. Yeah, exactly, man. It's it's really important because I know I've I've lived through this sort of weird thing, and I'm not the only one, dude. I feel yeah. like every time I tell this story, there's five people that hit me yeah. up, like, dude, that was exactly what I've been through. Or I, it's 
it's not and I guess that's another thing I would say to someone struggling with this like it's not you're not it's not a weird thing yeah like la- lacking purpose isn't a weird thing you no. know it's like it's put in us it's a it's a it's a real thing and I think what Kyle said to you also just like to touch on that was so awesome man just like it might take time yeah. to get over this. It might take time to get through this. And I think mm. there's something really beautiful with being cool with that and coming mm. to a place where you can go, it's okay if I don't feel great right now. Mm. Mm. We, don't have to, we don't have to fix everything with one click of the button. We don't have to fix everything, you know, with one pill. We don't have to, maybe it's not gonna, maybe there's something in this yeah. that, that I need to take on with me. You know, yeah. and that was for, in hindsight. It's always easy, easy said than done. Like that, the blessing of hindsight. Looking back, dude, there were so many things. If I didn't go through that, I would not be doing any of what I'm yeah. doing now, man. And that even down yeah. to I've got a little girl that's 16 months old. I wouldn't even have her. Mm. Like, mm. there's so mm. many things. And in the moment, if someone would have said to me, "Man, these are all the things that are going to play out as a as a bit of a result of this weird patch," I would have taken the weird patch, bro. Honestly, if if someone gave me that guarantee and gave me a list of all the awesome things that I was about to step into on the other side of that darkness, whoo, yeah. give me the darkness, man. But it's just when you're in it, it's hard to see that. And that's why I say it's seasonal and you've got to be okay with being where you are. And and yeah, man, crazy. Wow, bro. Yeah, I, I think with all of that, especially people that are listening in now, like if you are in that, that season of darkness and it's, it's particularly heavier than usual. Like, and especially the guys, like I think there's, you don't need to turn to Tinder. Mm, like I don't think yeah. that helps. Like I think maybe some people need to sit in that path for a little bit and just do what they got to do. But like, I don't think you have to do that. Like I don't mm. always think, I think there are, there are healthier ways to go about dissonance, heartache, yeah depression like I don't think guys have to turn to porn I don't think you need to go to Pornhub as your advocate for for wellness and to, to yeah. deal with pain like I think there's other ways like I don't think like partying is another thing but obviously like but even busyness like you were saying like I think there's probably part of you that was like well I'm just going to keep I'm going to keep out of my head I'm just going to keep doing this thing and maybe just by being busy and chasing mm. the next thing that that can kind of just purge out those feelings of disconnect but it actually it isn't, it's a Band-Aid solution. Yeah. Yeah, there's something totally, deeper. Man. And I think I, I think that especially if you're living in Australia and you're surrounded by mountains and ocean, like just just get off screens for a couple of hours. Mm. Leave your phone at home and go for a walk. If you're not in Melbourne and you're allowed to go outside for more than an hour. Yeah, yeah but like, which is another tricky thing with mental health in, in Melbourne right now, man. I feel for all my music friends, especially that are already more sensitive souls that have to stay inside for mm. most of the day. <laughs> like, but yeah, man, but like I, there's a way that we can come back to, to, to breath work or to meditation or to prayer or like, and, and human connection and just observing those thoughts and those feelings. Yeah. But Robbie, man, like, man. I just want to thank you so much for, for coming on, bro. And just pouring out your heart, dude. Like. I, it's my pleasure, man. 41 was, seconds in. When you, when you said you wanted to have a chat, I was like, yeah, man. This is what it's about, you know? Yeah. I think it's there's there's something so potent about humans that can be so radically honest. Mm. There's something for me like so attractive, like man, yeah. like to 
to observe humans that just have nothing to hide. It's like, man, yeah. this is my journey, bro. And this is my present. Yeah. Like it's still not roses, but like I'm on this trajectory and I feel driven, you know? Mm. And yeah, yeah particularly man. right now, man, where everything like industry-wise, everything's so facade you know? Like everything, everything's such like, there's like a, an, an image element to everything and you've got to behave this way. And it's really funny, man, like kind of to digress a little bit, but I remember being a kid and like, you know, I was a punk rock kid and like Ooh, I grew up on- You look a little bit like Travis Barker. Do people say What's that? What's that? You look a little bit like Travis Barker from- um, Oh Blue yeah. Too, Bro, I wish I could move like Travis Barker. <laughs> I can't move like Travis Barker. Um, <laughs> Who were you listening I to? I remember- Oh man, back then, yeah, Blink, MXPX. MXPX yeah. were like Pop my favorite band back in the day. Um, all that stuff, man, like No Effects, Slagwagon, yeah. uh, AFI. Nose for a name. Yeah, all the all the all the stuff, all that, all the yeah, all that. Yeah. And, and then all the fat records stuff. And then, you know, obviously like from there, um, I was in punk bands and then moved more into like hardcore bands. Um, um, all the names you reeled up before, the use yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And yeah. But man, I remember like there was something so cool about being in in those scenes because they were scenes, they were like little communities. And <laughs> even the messages that were being put out, man, like, um, you know, like I listen to old like punk rock and it's, it is kind of vulnerable and it is kind of like, it's a lot more, we're not really the cool kids. Yeah. And there was something so cool about that. And I think it's tricky where we're in a time now where it's 12 year old kid um, isn't being influenced by people going, we don't have to be the cool kids. They're being influenced by the guy that seemingly has a 7.4, you know, million dollar mansion and three girlfriends and all this amazing stuff. And it's this Mm. feeling like you kind of grow up feeling like anything but that is a failure. Mm. And I'm just stoked that, man, I love that I got to grow up in a time where like, it was those punk rock days and it was it was a bit more raw and it wasn't so much emphasis and we weren't looking on Instagram and like, you know, yeah. all, all that stuff. It was stuff, about man. live shows. It was yeah, like exactly. a very clear-cut subculture. It was it, like, especially in the emo world, it was okay for boys to cry. You could cry yeah. on stage, you could cry in the crowd and like that kind of, almost that over-celebration of weakness. Like every mm. second song was about a breakup, but like. Totally. Yeah. The Ataris did. The Ataris, every song, yeah. Every song was about a breakup. Um, and then the nineties punk rock and and even Nirvana, like talking about it was a it was a refle- reflection on society and problems mm. and weird suburban white culture. And there was there was this real rawness about present realities and how bizarre it was. Mm. Um and then before Sex Pistols, um yeah. and the the whole political trajectory through punk rock. Um talking about real things. And I think there was less a glorification of, of the wealthy, which mm. like, I love hip hop and R&B, but there is a yeah. lot of that. It's kind of like, it's Bentleys. It's totally. fake boobs. It's like, it's, it's WAP, bro. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's, it's <laughs> Bentleys and it's unsustainable, bro. Yeah, yeah. It's unsustainable. Yeah, and for sure, like, I, like I, I think there's a place for that world, but it's just kind of like, I think it was a blessing that we grew up in a world that was a bit more grounded in a way like there was a bit more reality involved with it i think yeah yeah for sure yeah for sure man bro, times uh, have changed huh yeah 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 for sure um but man like what what's getting you excited right now just before we close um 
just in your life? Like what's, what's really getting you up in the day? So I'm really pumped to um, a few things, man. Like it's funny, someone said to me the other day, what's it been like producing in isolation? And I'm like, you know what? Oh no, sorry. They said, what's it been like in isolation? And I was like, it depends what hat I've got on. Because producing right now sucks, dude. It's really hard because it's like, you know, obviously just being in, in the house and all that. So as a producer, it hasn't been great. As a dad, this has been the greatest thing that's ever happened to me because it's like, it's so awesome, man. Like I think about like with my daughter, like if there was ever a time to be in isolation, what a what a killer time to be in ISO, dude. Like, mm. like no one can ever take away the fact that she sits next to me every single day and jams with me. So that's been, Ooh. I've been loving that. I've been, you know, I'm obviously super busy and really blessed to be busy and working on a lot of cool projects. But um, more life stuff's been getting me apart, man. Kind of mm. taking that step back and going, there's going to be plenty of time to like make more dollars and to make more songs and all that and still focused on it. But I just want to be there for her childhood, dude. Mm. She's doing cool stuff, man. Like we got her a slide, this little kid slide and like just watching her climb up. It's so excited. I'm like, man, that's what's up, you know? <laughs> but on a music level, man, like, yeah, dude, there's heaps of cool, fun stuff at the moment. Like um, there's a girl I've been working with Tia that's um, 16 years old and she's been killing it. And She's young and she's fresh and she's got this amazing voice and this cool way of thinking about life. Mm. Um, so I'm really pumped about that project and a few other like younger sort of artists that are, that are kind of about to break through the scene that I've been working with for, you know, a year or so. And we've mm. like really been investing in that and like planting seeds. And it's really nice when you can start to see a bit of momentum through all that stuff. Mm. Dude, so good, man. Like, yeah. Um, fam, if you're not watching the video, but um, brother Rob just has a real glow about him, and it's it's great, man. Like it's sometimes when you can just sense deep joy and like a happy flow, bro. Like it's it's hard mm. to find. Yeah, so, uh, and it, yeah, bro, dude. Um, you're a beautiful man. I can't wait to hang out in real life, Robbie. Dude. As soon as this is ISO's out, I'm coming up to uh, come up, hang out Byron? with me and Kyle. I live I live just south of Byron, and Kyle yeah. lives just above Byron. Cool, but cool. um, yeah, we've actually got some songs that we want to like um work on with you. We need to do a little project together. That'd be fun, man. I think somewhere between Drake that. and Taylor Swift. <laughs> I'm so pumped. We'll just dude. make a sync project. So. <laughs> Bro, so sick. I want to come and see this. This uh, I've oh, been this whole dude, video. I've the been mezzanine, the tree cave, room, dude, dude. For sure. We'll make something here. But bro, I'll teach you how to surf and um, yeah, man. Yes. Be good. Maybe you can awesome, help me find man. my first tattoo. Where you go? <laughs> dude, Your first dude, one? Yeah, it'll be my first one. I want to get a tattoo oh, this year. Yeah, sick, dude. I started yeah. really young. Too young. <laughs> Too young. <laughs> Awesome, bro. Thanks so much for coming on the show, man. And um, yeah, man, you, everything that this podcast is about, about rechilding and rewilding and the curious path and and healing, man, like it's 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 all in your journey. And um, yeah, bro, I'm really inspired from just connecting with you. Bro, thank you so much for having me, man. It's been good to chat. Yeah. Been a good time. Cheers, Robbie, man. Appreciate you. Woo. Take care, man. Thank you for listening to the Beginning of Us podcast. This podcast is created on Bundjalung land, just south of Byron Bay. We pay our respects to the original custodians of this land. 
If this episode has connected with you, please leave a comment, share the episode on your Instagram stories and subscribe to this podcast. We'd love to hear from you. The Beginning of Us is produced by Billy Otto. Theme music is by Billy Otto and Khaled Tusker. Technical direction by Eliash Perez. Find out all about Billy's many mindful projects and music by Instagram at, at Billy Otto. Blessings to you and namaste. Could you be, could you be, could you be?